Welcome to this week's Walking in the Word. I am Catherine of Blood of the Lamb Ministries and Heart of the Tribes and it is wonderful that you've been able to join us today. Currently we're doing a series that is all about overcoming those fleshly tendencies within us all. We have looked at deceit and lies, envy, pretending to be someone you're not, a prideful look and a haughty ruach. This week, we'll be taking a turn to some of the darkest places of the human mind and heart as we explore from Proverbs, hands that shed innocent blood and hearts that devise wicked imaginations and from Galatians, those hatreds and murders. So I want to welcome the wonderful women who will be exploring these topics with me today. So we have, as always, the lovely brothers joining me. Thank you, Lee, for being here. Shalom, Kat. I'm so happy to be here with you and Shell today. I'm looking forward to this. Oh, me too, sister. And as Lise just said, we also have the lovely Shell. So welcome, Shell. Hi, Kat. Thank you. Good to see both you and Lee. Glad to hear be here with both of you wonderful women. And I'm excited to hear all the presentations. Wow. It's been interesting studying out this dark subject. <laughs> it has. Mm-hmm. In a dark um, world. <laughs> a very dark world and lots of dark people. <laughs> so we can see we've already got the lovely Jennifer joining us, Rin, mine and Lee's husbands, James and Lee. And so we're already getting a few lovely listeners with us and I'm sure we'll have a few more as we go along. So welcome everybody. Thank you for being here. So the subject, ladies, has been in the background now waiting to do it hasn't it for about a month you know quite some time we've had this one and um i don't know about you two but i had half my thoughts written down (laughs) since then half ready so it's a bit of a different one for us isn't it um we've been waiting and waiting but we're finally here (laughs) yeah but as always all things in yars timing and welcome daniel thank you for being with us So everything we're talking about today comes from that spirit of injustice found in the book of Reuben. It covers theft and plundering and taking by force. If we allow it, the spirit of injustice, it will move us to commit some of the worst crimes. It will make our heart devise wicked things. It will cause us to shed that innocent blood and it will move us to hate and ultimately murder. Now, as we wander down these darkened paths today, it is important that we remember that Yah forgives all. If somewhere in your past you've done any of the things that we're going to talk about, and my guess would be, at the very, very least, everybody is at least hated. (laughs) You must remember Yah loves you and is merciful unto those who keep his ways. In Deuteronomy 7, 9, it says, Know therefore that Yahuwah, Elohecha, he is Elohim, the faithful El, which guards its covenant and mercy with them that love him 
and guard his commandments to a thousand generations. But we must also remember, and tells us in John 10, 10, the thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. The question today is, what voice will we hear? What path will we choose? Will we walk as Messiah walked? Or will we be those roaring lions looking to devour? <laughs> so in law, when convicting someone of a crime, you have to prove there was what is known as mens rea and actus reus. Actus reus is the action of actually performing a crime, doing the crime. Mens rea is the mental part of it, the guilty act, guilty mind. Was it premeditated? That would be, I think, more the way that in America you would uh, you know, term these things. Was it thought out? Was there intent behind the actions? It is the same in the Torah. When an accidental loss of life has occurred, those who were the cause would be able to retreat to a city of refuge. However, for the guilty of mind, they would have to face the consequences of their crime. All the things we'll be looking at today fall into the category of intended crime. So with that said, we'll hand over to Lee as she examines a heart that devises wicked imaginations. Over to you, sister. Thank you so much, Kat. I'm going to add my PowerPoint to the screen and you'll see here the date of 8-16-22. <laughs> but this is September 13th. I forgot to change that or update it, but I'm aware we're in September now. Although, wow, that's like almost a month. <laughs> that month flew by, didn't it? Yes, <laughs> it did. So I picked the heart that the, a heart that devises wicked imaginations and Last night, as I was re-reviewing and going through uh, my PowerPoint, there were some different uh, shows or, or videos I was looking through on YouTube. And I was like, yep, that's that. That's that. That's that. <laughs> because this is this is pretty much rampant uh, in our world right now. There are so many um, different ways it's being exhibited uh, all around the globe hearts that devise wicked imaginations. Um, and I wanted to dig into um, what, what is that wickedness? Um, and Proverbs, I went to Proverbs 4.14 through 4.19 um, because this just spoke to me um, pretty quickly as how to go in deeper to what we mean by that wicked imagination. So enter not into the path of the wicked and go not in the way of evil men or better yet, how to avoid it, <laughs> avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it and pass away for they sleep not except they have done mischief and their sleep is taken away unless they cause some to fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the just is as the shining light that shines more and more unto the perfect day. The way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. So wickedness um, 
is is really something inherent, I think, within certain people at different times uh, of their life and of the season that we're in in this world right now. Um, they're mischief. They're working behind the scenes. They drink the wine of violence. That goes hand in hand with wicked imaginations. Um, they eat that bread of wickedness. When I read that, I thought, if Yahushua is the bread of life, if he is our shalom, he is our comfort, if he is that bread of life, what are they eating as the bread of wickedness? Well, we know what that is, and we know who that is. Um, they're reveling in it with Hasatan, because the way of the wicked is as darkness, and we know the bread of life in Yahushua the light of the Torah is the light that keeps us on our path. And that was just really, as I was reading this over and over, I was trying to understand myself. The way of the wicked is his darkness. And that just, that just sticks out in my mind so much because darkness is without the Torah. It really is. And it's without Yahusha, who is that living word. So I wanted to do a little bit different. I wanted to break down those words within a heart that devises uh, wickedness, right? Evil wicked, wickedness. I always get that. A heart that devises wicked imaginations. So heart, I looked up in Strong's Concordance. It was H3820. Labe, I think, or Lab, Lab. So it was a form of the H3824. It's the heart. It's also used figuratively very widely for feelings, the will, and even the intellect. Likewise, the center of anything to care for, comfortably, consent, consider, courageous, friendly, broken, hard, merry, stiff, Double, stout, double, hearted, double hearted. That's very interesting there. Mm. Uh, heed, I kindly, midst, mind themselves, unawares, understanding, well, willing, and wisdom. So there's a lot involved, even with just the word heart that we see here. And most think their heart is just for love, but you can have double-heartedness. You can have broken-heartedness. You can have these things as well. It's not, and it is noted of emotions of our feelings, a wide variety of our feelings are associated with our heart. And then that root word for heart, very interesting. Um, Shell has taught me, as I've learned from her lessons, uh, when I started watching her way back before uh, there was the heart of the tribes when it was Shell <laughs> and heart of her tribe. Now we're all heart of the tribes, which is amazing. But I've learned to look at the root words, right, as well. And in this one, that labab is the root word for heart. And it's your inner man, mind, will, heart, your ruach, understanding, inner part, the midst of us, the midst of things. The heart of man, the soul, the heart of man, our mind, knowledge, thinking, reflection, memory, inclination, 
resolution, determination, or will, our conscience, whether we have one or not, our heart of moral character. And I think that says a seat of appetites uh, as seal of emotions and passions as seat of courage. And we know our heart can lead us down the wrong way, can't it? If we don't have our Yahweh, our Yahusha, and if we're not walking on the narrow path, if we're not focused completely on him, how easy is it for us to let our own inner man, our own inner self that wants to be the boss and take the lead. And I know better than Yahweh. I know better than that pipe that path, that narrow path. I know better. I can do this better. I can do this on my own. Right. And I think that initially starts where we start to fall away. We fall away from where we should be because we are relying on our inner person without relying on our inner Ruach that should be seated in, in Yahweh period. He should be there. We should find him there. I, I try all the time to make sure I am not reflecting my inner man, my inner self, that I am reflecting what Yahweh is putting into me. So then I looked at, and, and I what I love about uh, the eSword is you can choose the KJV Plus, and it breaks down that scripture and pulls up all the strongs related to it. And when it is in the Old Testament, when it is in the, the Old Testament, you can also look at uh, the audio. You can look at the paleo that's in there. And I wish I had figured out how to get some of that transcribed over, but I couldn't get it to show up correctly. Next time I'll spend more time with that. Um, but that devices, right? So I wanted to look into that. That's H2790 within within that verse that we're looking at in, in Proverbs. And this word is a primitive root. And it is to scratch, that is, by implication, to engrave, to plow, um, like the use, with the use of tools, to fabricate, figuratively to devise, to be silent. And this hit me um, when we're devising those plans, we're silent about it. We're in secret. We're behind the scenes, you know, um, to be deaf as accompaniment of dumbness, to be deaf to the truth of the matter is how I took that <laughs> altogether to cease, conceal. There's that conceal again, uh, devise, ear, graven, imagine, leave off, speaking, hold peace. Wow, be quiet. All of these things just, you just don't think of the deeper meaning of things until you really start digging in this way. I mean, I, I wonder how much we would learn about everything if we actually looked into the words that we are speaking and reading, right? On a whole. Yeah. This is really interestingly, when you look at it, I can almost see like, the plotting, the planning, you know, like that's it's going violent. on. Yeah. And if we're looking at that word in the pictograph, we've got the fence, right? Like something behind a fence, behind a wall, right? So you've got a hidden aspect. It's, it's behind something. And then you've got man's mind of destruction. 
Wow. Yeah. 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 And that's exactly what this is. That's exactly what, what this is about. My man's mind of destruction hidden behind the wall because it's to be silent, speak not a word, hold tongue, you know, all of this just leapt off the page at me because yes, that's exactly what a person is doing when they're devising those wicked plots, you know, their wicked imaginations. It starts in our mind. It starts as that voice that we shouldn't be listening to. No, it's like that word heart you were looking at as well. That's that double-sidedness, you know, to right. the world. They might be portraying themselves as one thing, but inside there's, you know, plotting and something else. It's hidden inside that inclination of evil and good that is actually spoke about, you know, when we looked at that first week. Um, yeah. It's in, you know, the Jewish mindset of it is that a man has two inclinations, the one of evil and one of good. And, you're seeing that in that word, that in the heart words, that double mind in yes. that double. It's funny that there's, there's a story like told in a lot of cultures. I've heard it lots of different ways, but basically the story is, you know, like there's this white dog and there's this black dog, right? And, you know, they, they are fighting to the death and it's like, well, which one's going to win? Well, whichever one you decide to feed. Which you feed. Yeah. 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 That's a, I've heard that in an old Native American, yeah. uh, the two, wasn't it two wolves that were fighting? And then you find at the out at the end that it's evil against good that all of us are born with, you know, yeah. like we saw in the, in the Testament of Reuben. Um, yeah. It's pretty amazing. So that led me to Wicked and Shell break down this is this able to break down this as, as the audio? Because I, that was one thing I was curious about. I know the next one has the, because I pulled up also the compare. Well, we've got, and Kat, jump in at any point. You We've got the strong leader in the olive, right? And then yeah. we have a bob. So that bob is like a, a nail. So it connects things. Mm-hmm. And then we've got um, life that's trying to sprout yeah. up right so avan so to be wicked what would take what is strongest in your life connects to the life you're going to have isn't it so if you if you're wicked if your strength is in wickedness your life will be connected to to wicked evil Mm. excellent cat yep yeah, that is excellent. Because then when we look here below, from it's from an unused root, perhaps meaning uh, it said properly to pant, hence to exert oneself, usually in vain. So to pant, but you're doing this in vain, to come to naught. Strictly nothingness, because nothing good is coming from it, right? It's also yeah. trouble, yeah. vanity wickedness specifically an idol i found that quite interesting um affliction evil false idol iniquity which we know uh sin and mischief mourners and mournering not sorrow unjust unrighteous unrighteous vain vanity wickedness so that that's a pretty clear picture of that. And then when we look at the compare, which is the I-N, because this is the primitive root meaning, it is the meaning to be nothing but exist. Ooh, 
Bibles. Because I don't think <laughs> I don't think we exist. Yes, there you go. Uh, a non-entity <clears throat> generally used as a negative particle uh, fail. And then look at this fatherless. Because if you're wicked, you're that without our father, right? You are wow. fatherless. Wow. You are without the father, period. Wow. That just, when I read that part, I said, why isn't that explained more so that people know we're not just saying stay away from wickedness. We're saying this will take you away from the father. You wow. will be fatherless on this path of wickedness. Wow. And you just, you just don't think about it, which then means um, you're not in secret because he sees everything, mm -hmm. right? You may yeah. be, you may be hiding your plotting and planning behind the scenes from the rest of us here, but you're not hiding it from him. And, and he has seen you and now you are fatherless. Wow. That's so good, Lee. And we don't want that. We, yeah. He doesn't want to lose anyone either. You know, and I think a lot of time these wicked imaginations remember in Reuben, wasn't it about how things come to us in dreams as well? Yeah. They, they come after you when we're vulnerable and convince yes. you, you know, you need to do this. We're going to plot that, you know. Yeah. So that brings us to imaginations. Um, and that was H4284. I do love the e-sword um, and the way you can just dig. Anybody can research. That's the thing. We are in the most crazy time to live in, but we're also in the most wonderful time for having the ability to do our own research, to dig in there, look at these words, break down your own scripture, figure it out for yourself, right? Yeah. So looking in this, it is, I don't even know that I can say this, Makash Abal. That's as close, close as I can get to that. Um, from H2803, is a contrivance that is con concretely a texture machine, a machine. That really stuck out because you think of a device as a machine. Well, now your machine <laughs> is your imaginations, your intention, you know, oh, and wow. I think once that imagination starts clicking in like that machine it's making something you know it's it's not only just a plot you're making something for wow that. it's almost you can almost like see the gears right of, of, exactly of the cog to get, just click it in the cogs yeah 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 that is exactly shell what i saw in this you yeah. know it's so cool that you pick we all picked that up but that's what i saw it's a curious work uh, a device said, uh, imagination invented. You made this up. Hmm. You made this up. This wasn't, this was an imagination made up through that device, through that machine, you know, and it's not for good in this, this instance at all. <laughs> the yeah. purpose of it is wickedness. The purpose of this machine, <laughs> imagination, that's right. Yeah. That is exactly right. Thank you, Ren. That's yes, right. Thank you. And then I dug into that root word, which is hashab. And that primitive root word is uh, to interpenetrate. So when we are imagining, that penetrates through our mind, in through our ruach, into that heart of man, 
that we were talking about in the beginning, because look at here, it's to fabricate. It's literally to weave or fabricate. You're fabricating this. You're making up this wicked device, right? It's right. You are figuratively plotting or contrived, which is usually in a malicious sense. And that's what we're looking at here. It's a malicious intention. If we're looking at the Odeon on this one, it's, it looks, it's really easy to me on this one. You've got a wall with your head of destruction with the shin coming against the house, the bed. Yeah. 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 Because it's coming against the house, which is us. We're the tabernacle of y'all, right? So it is coming against us, you know, to, to make us uh, think, we can do this without being seen. We're, we're hiding. And a lot of times you can tell when somebody is plotting, you know, they act as we said, shady. Remember we were talking about shady not long ago. There they are hiding behind that wall. Yeah. Yeah. You though. So you're not doing a very good job hiding from him. And it always comes to the surface. You know, I saw this to conceive something. You're growing this wickedness. To conceive, uh, like Shell and I have been covering the re- reproductive system uh, the, this last week and this one on Heart of the Tribes. When you conceive something, you're growing that. You're growing that wicked imagination. Um, and then here we see cunning man, work, workman, device, esteem, find out, forecast, hold, imagine, impute, invent, be like, and then mean, purpose, reckoning reckon reckoning be made to regard and think i love breaking the words down that way so i took all of those meanings of all of the words and i came up with the best what i thought was the best way to explain this as a person whose feelings are stiff hard or double-hearted double-minded double-hearted that practice mischievous iniquity in secret as a worker of evil unrighteousness, fatherlessness, right? Fatherless with the intention of plotting or inventing their own vain and cunning work. Unrighteousness biblically is lawlessness. Lawlessness is living outside of Torah. So that's how I saw this a heart that devises uh, wicked imaginations. Yeah. So in Jeremiah eleven eight, yet they obeyed not, nor inclined their ear, but walked everyone in the imagination of their evil heart. Therefore, I will bring upon them all the words of this covenant which I commanded them to do, but they did them not. I pulled that up after writing the what my um, definition was of what I saw praying and looking into, you know, the, the heart of wicked imaginations. And to me, this is a warning to all of us because I have, I have definitely been guilty of just about everything that we're told not to do and not to go to. And it has done nothing but brought hurt into my life and to those around me. Yeah. So I feel like the this is like a warning, like warning, danger, Will Robinson, you know, 
We don't want to do this. In Isaiah 57, 23, 21, but the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, says my Elohim, to the wicked. And there is no peace. Like I said, when you think you're hidden, you think you're doing this uh, practice in hiding, and you may be not seen by the average person, but Yahweh sees absolutely everything that we do and even what we're thinking, you know? Yes. That's, that's something I have to remind myself often when these wicked imaginations want to creep into my mind is, uh-uh, no, no. <laughs> Micah 2.1, woe to them that devise iniquity and work evil upon their beds. There we see that. That's almost like in your sleep, right? In your dreams. I mean, I look at part of it that way, you know, when the morning is light, they practice it because it is in the power of their hand. So it's That's like instead of sleeping, you've got those wheels. Shell was talking about the cog wheels of that machine that's plotting and making, conceiving this wickedness, conceiving it and making it. And then they get up and go out and boom, enact their wicked plots on whomever and whatever that they're choosing to to do that day. So then I went to Proverbs 6, 20 through 23. My son, guard your father's commandment and forsake not the Torah of your mother. Bind them continually upon your heart and tie them about your neck. When you go, it shall lead you. When you sleep, it shall guard you. And when you wake, it shall talk with you. For the commandment is a lamp and the Torah is light and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. Wow. Every part of the descriptions and explanations and every word that I went over, here we have the cure. Here we have what will help us avoid, what will help keep us on that narrow path, what will protect our heart, what will protect us when we're sleeping, what will we're protect us and our words you know that's that is I, so important i really love up there when it's talking about the torah of your mother and i think about like how cat is homeschooling her six children you know there's a torah that's being taught that it, she may not I, i'm i'm certain that they're reading the word but there's a torah in the lifestyle that's being taught you yeah. know in how you handle things and how you do things. There's a Torah that comes from mom that is like the living word being displayed for the children to know how do I take this from a, a piece of paper from written words and apply it to my life. To my and life. That's being learned. I mean, I just thought that was really, really interesting. It is. And it's so important because she's teaching them how to handle when we're not with our children all the time. We don't know what they're thinking, what they dream about, what they think about. And in this sense, she's even telling them she will. She's telling them how to protect themselves when they sleep, when they're awake. You know their thoughts. I love this, and it, it's so true. You're right. Psalms seven nine through eleven. Oh, let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end. But establish the just, for the righteous Elohim tries the hearts and minds. 
My defense is of Elohim, which saves the Yashari, he who is upright and who is upright and righteous before Yahweh in heart. Elohim judges the righteous, and El is angry with the wicked every day. I've included these because it's important reminders. You know, we think it's innocent at times when we have these thoughts, you know, when we have these plots, when any of these things creep into our mind. It's just, we're not like, again, I just feel like I have to say repeatedly, you're not hiding anything from him. We never hide anything. And the wicked is something that he judges every day. And (laughs) I think every minute. So in Psalms 119, 142 through 144, your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness and your Torah is the truth. Trouble and anguish have taken hold on me, yet your commandments are my delights. The righteousness of your testimonies is everlasting. Give me understanding and I shall live. And this is important because trouble and anguish takes hold of us all the time. I find myself stumbling, tripping, and falling um, more than I walk upright. But in this, we know that that Yahweh loves us. He does. And he gives us a new beginning every single day we wake up. And in this, our righteousness is it, or his righteousness is an everlasting righteousness and his Torah is our truth. And that is where I find my truth. In Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Watch what we say. Watch what comes out of our mouth. Make sure that it is good and edifying. Is what I'm speaking necessary? Is what I'm saying going to enlighten someone? Is it going to make them happy? Or am I saying it for my own lifting myself up or whatever? (laughs) Am I ministering grace unto my hearers? Am I ministering to them? In Philippians 2, 1 through 2, 3. If there be therefore any consolation in Mashiach, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Ruach, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than ourselves. Treat someone better than you treat yourself. <laughs> lift someone up higher than you lift yourself. You know, I think that's our ego is our worst enemy, you know, and, and through pride, opens that doorway for Hasatan to come in and be like a bull in a china shop. He just smashes everything within us. And then we smash everyone around us and we are not lifting them. We're smashing them into the ground. So in Philippians 4, 8, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, 
And if there be any praise, think on these things. That's just, <laughs> that shows us our direction. That shows us to check ourselves. And that's what I feel in this season leading up to the feast. This is like my checklist right now. Yeah. Am I, what is in me that is true? Okay. Check that off. What things are honest? Check that off. Anything that isn't on this checklist, I am removing and doing my best to pray that he rubbed the Yahweh puts his healing balm on me and my wounds that are making me have these things in me that don't fit this checklist. <laughs> and that, my dears, is what I had to bring today. That was wonderful, Lee. You know, when you were telling us about going through all those different words, it is like we get a seed in our head, you know, and it can be a good seed or a bad seed. Will we, will we which seed are we going to sit in bed and think on and wonder on? Which one are we going to feed like those two wolves, mm -hmm. you know, and are we going to let it fester and grow until we, we have the fruit of that seed and right. go and do those acts? Or are we going to have the fruit and feed, you know, the seed of yard and water that seed? And I think everybody gets both, but we can have these little seeds that creep in probably while we're asleep on our bed. And these ideas and thoughts come into your head and which one grows <laughs> Well, what we focus on, like you were just saying in that last verse there, you know, what things are true, what things are lovely. Because if you're thinking on those things, you're going to feed the good seed. If That's you're thinking right. on the other ones, you're going to feed the bad seed. It's amazing what you just brought forth. It's wonderful. I'm so sorry. My dog is just ridiculous today. <laughs> we must have deer out in the yard. <laughs> That was a really good presentation, Leah. That was wonderful. I'm just going to mute myself and take care of the dog for a minute. Okay. No, Lee, that was a fabulous word. It's really, really good. And it really sets off the rest of what we're talking about today, doesn't it? It you know, does. It really, you really does. don't get the rest of the things we're talking about without first having those imaginations in your mind to go and do those wicked things then yeah. they act on them right Some yeah act on them yeah which ones are you going to go and go towards and um you looked at the word for wickedness i think and shell will probably know uh, shell will be able to tell me if i'm right or not i'm quite sure um the other word that is the same is avon and that's the word for iniquity and i don't know about you but in britain we have avon the makeup company and yeah. so whenever i hear that word now i'm like is that why they chose it because they're saying their brand's iniquity isn't <laughs> wow wow yeah. wickedness and iniquity you know why choose that name they're important names are important aren't they and so it always yeah. I, sticks in my mind that word for iniquity because i'm like wow <laughs> Why Avon? That's such an interesting choice. Yeah, I wanted, I wanted to go back for just one second too to what you were saying, Kat, about the seed, you know, because it reminds me of, of the parable of the seed because somebody comes and says, look, there's there's wheat in their tears. What's wrong? Didn't you sow, you know, good seed in your field? And he says, ah, an enemy did this. And, and it just reminds me of like what you were talking with Lee about that vulnerable state 
when we are asleep, you know, and and we're we're a subject, you know, I, I believe y'all keeps his hand over us, watches over us, protects us. But at the same time, things can happen. And and if we're if we wake up and 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 uh, don't get ourselves covered, I mean, that stuff, those arrows start fight you know, and we got to recognize, like we got to yeah. learn to recognize. I know in and, and my life, I know that this happens to me sometimes and I wake up and all of a sudden I'm out of kilter and I, I jump too quick into getting into the day instead of sitting back and waiting, you know, and saying, okay, let's make sure that I'm totally covered before I'm willing to engage with all the things that I have going on. I could me save too. myself a lot of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> me too me too it's that word patience you know yeah. which breaks down to long suffering it's suffering is involved in the patience because we suffer waiting we're so human yeah, yeah. impulsive <laughs> well said Belly. with that you know we are long waiting is long suffering and i'm it that way before but i guess it is <laughs> Um, should we say hi to those that have joined us while we've been talking? Yeah. So I think we've had the lovely Laura Lee join us, Sue Shoshana join us, and Deborah join us, which I think you said hi to my favourite cousin there, Sheldon. Yeah. So, yeah. Lovely to have you guys join in with us. Thank you for being here. Um, Lee has just brought us really right into where we're going as she's talked about those hearts that devise those wicked imaginations. And so that will lead so well where we're going next. And so I'm going to start off today with, and I think I'm getting the right screen here, <laughs> Isaiah 59.1. Okay. Behold, Yahuwah's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Neither is ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your Elohim. And your sins have hidden his face from you that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue has muttered perverseness. None calls for justice, nor any pleads for truth. They trust in vanity and speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. They hatch cockroaches, eggs, and weave the spider's web. He that eats of their eggs dies, and that which is crushed breaks out into viper. Their webs shall not be garments, Neither shall they cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of iniquity, and their act of violence is in their hand. Their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their path. So whoever does the things that we're talking about today are workers of iniquity. Their works show who they are and like all, they will be judged by their works. Revelation 20, 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before Elohim and the sepharim were opened and another sepher was opened, which is the sepher of life. 
and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the Sepharim according to their works. In Proverbs 16, 6.17, it is outlined that Yah finds seven things an abomination, one of those that leaders looked at. The other is hands that shed innocent blood. Those who cause harm to others who have done no wrong, those who have committed no crime, yet suffer as one that has. We see many examples of these in the scriptures. Jubilees 4-2 and in the first year of the third jubilee Cain slew Abel because Elohim accepted the sacrifice of Abel and did not accept the offering of Cain and he slew him in the field and his blood cried from the ground to heaven complaining because he had slain him. The first person born after the fall caused innocent blood to be shed. There were consequences for this action, and we see this play out time and time again. Yah will always recompense the shedding of innocent blood. We saw it in Mitzrayim. In Exodus 1, 22, And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive. And then if we move forward to Exodus 12, 12, for I will pass through the land of Mitzrayim this night and I will smite all of the firstborn in the land of Mitzrayim, both man and beast. And against all the Elohai of Mitzrayim, I will execute judgment. I am Yahuwah. And then if we move on to Jubilees 48, 14, so in that first one there, we're seeing that some of that recompense came forth by the smiting of the firstborn by Yahuwah. But Jubilees also tell us another one came along. And all the peoples whom he brought to pursue after Yasharal, Yahuwah Elohenu cast into the midst of the sea, into the depths of the abyss beneath the children of Yasharal. Even as the people of Mitzrayim had cast their children into the river, he took vengeance on one million of them. And 1,000 strong and energetic men were destroyed on account of one suckling of a child of your people, which they had thrown into the river. We can see from these two different things that Yah does recompense. Yah will always put, the, always put right any harm that is done to someone who is innocent. Deuteronomy 32.5, to me belongs vengeance and recompense. Their foot shall slide in due time, for the day of their calamity is at hand, and things that shall come upon them make haste. He will always use all things to the good of those that love him, even the shedding of innocent blood. Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for the good to those that love Elohim, to them who are called according to his purpose. And that includes the shedding of that of innocent, innocent blood. We see this no clear in no clearer way than through Yahushua, our Messiah. Matthew 27, 24. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a torment was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our 
children. The most innocent blood of all was shed for us. Pilate didn't want to be the one whose hands had shed innocent blood. The people took it upon themselves and upon this on their children. Yah had said it was an abomination to cover their hands in innocent blood. But even when the innocent blood is shed by the mouths of those who wish harm, so much good can come from it. And as Lee did, I actually looked at this phrase as a whole, Proverbs 6, 17, hands that shed innocent blood. And the part that says that I've highlighted there in the Hebrew text. If we look at this phrase in the pictograph and remember that the original text had no spaces, a beautiful picture is painted. So hands, the hands, and so in the, the word pictures for each word, the hands that open the door to chaos, shed, had destructive words and drove in the hands the nail that secured the covenant. Blood, that through his blood was the curtain rent, the door opened, innocent, heirs to everlasting life could worship when we put that in a proper sentence when the innocent blood of Havel and eight I've not put that in my proper sentence there I've put the wrong thing <laughs> so the hands that opened the door to chaos had destructive words and drove in the hand the nail that secured the covenant that through his blood was the curtain rent the door opened so the heirs to everlasting life could worship when innocent blood of Abel was shed, his blood cried out. When the innocent blood of Yahusha was poured on the ground, it shook and the curtain was rent. In that phrase there, hands that shed innocent blood, we see the most beautiful picture of our Messiah just in that phrase in the pictographs. In Matthew 27, 50, Yahushua, when he had cried again with a loud voice, he yielded up his ruach, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent in two from top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. Shed innocent blood has a voice, and that voice will always reach the Shamayin. It will always be heard and there will always be a need to cleanse from it. In Numbers 35, 33. So ye shall not pollute the land wherein ye are. For blood, it defiles the land. And the land cannot be cleansed of that blood that is shed therein. But by the blood of him that shed it. There is always needs to be a, a payment for blood that is shed Um you know, we we look at capital punishment these days and we're like, oh, no, but really it is Torah that when a life is taken, life a life should be given. Unfortunately, we live in a corrupt world and our justice system isn't correct. And so the innocent men get taken away for things they didn't do. But there is a price to be paid. Deuteronomy tells us not only is the shedding of innocent blood a problem, but the taking of money for it as well. Deuteronomy 27, 24, Curse be he that smites his neighbour secretly, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be the heart that takes reward to slay an innocent person, and all the people shall say, Amen. 
In Matthew 27, 3 to 10, we see no finer example of this. Then Yehuda, which had betrayed him, Judas Iscariot, that is, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? See you to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. And the chief priest took the silver pieces and said, it is not lawful for to put them into the treasury because it is the price of blood. And they took counsel and brought them to the potter's field to bury strangers in. Wherefore, that field was called the field of blood unto this day. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Zachariah, the prophet, saying, and they took the 30 pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, whom they of the children of Yasharel did value, and gave them for the potter's field, as Yahuwah commanded me. As I said, Yah will always recompense. He will even let a person's own mind be his downfall when they have committed atrocious acts. Yah will always use even the worst crimes for the good of those that love him. But is there anything that we can do to help? Is there a role that we can play? In today's society, innocent blood is shed daily. And not only is it permitted by our governments, but it is glorified. Anyone who dares has the courage to say this is wrong is cancelled, victimised and shunned. And I'm sure none of you need me to tell you what I'm talking about. And I'm sure there's many listening who have themselves possibly partaken and thought that this is acceptable. And in no way is there any blaming or finger pointing or anything else judging going on. Our society we live in has taught us that this is perfectly normal. There is nothing wrong with it. In fact, in most cases, we're told that it is better to take these lives than it is to let these lives live sorry i just like lost my thoughts for a second there i'll get them back now sorry <laughs> oh. but it's not normally this act it's not only this act that is Ultimately, the shedding of innocent blood. A child shot in the street, sexual abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse. Shedding innocent blood does not necessarily mean just the act of killing someone unjustly. The shedding of innocent blood is the destruction of life in any way. When you take that, what was somebody else's, you are taking a part of their life away. And I'm not talking about belongings things of this earth don't matter i'm talking about their innocence their strength their joy their peace and i guarantee there is not a single person listening today that is not guilty of this in one way or another we have all fallen short and while we may not have committed some of the worst things we have all done something intentionally unintentionally or intentionally to cause another to lose their joy and their peace in the world where we 
are being told there are too many people, that life has no value, that there is needs to be less of us, a world whose leaders are becoming increasingly one-minded in this way, what do we expect people to think? How do we overcome hands that shed innocent blood when innocent blood being shed is all the world wants to see? How do we ourselves be released from the debt that needs to be paid? How do we change hearts so they no longer wish to cause the innocent pain? We pray for the ruach of understanding and wisdom found in Isaiah 11 so that we are able to teach the value of life. We are able to teach that having children is a blessing and not a curse. We are able to teach that hurting others to get what we want is not okay. We pray for the fear of Yah so that we truly repent for the mistakes that we have made. We pray for shalom in our lives and we allow Yah to bind up our broken hearts and ask him to make whole again those who we have hurt. And that, ladies, is what I had for today. I did press the wrong button then. <laughs> there we go. That was great, Kat. Thank you. That was so amazing. I have I've never thought of it in that way before. I mean, what a depth in that conversation and, and what you presented just then. Um talking about Yahusha and his innocent blood. And I was just thinking they cared nothing about what Yahweh's will was in that situation. They devised that wicked plan and their wicked imaginations. And they took that innocent blood and in their pride said, they'll take that upon themselves and their children. Yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. Yeah, just blew me away. Absolutely. To see that picture just absolutely blew me away. Yeah. You know, they thought that in doing that, that they would be, they were winning. You know, like I always see it like Hasatani sat there watching Yahusha thinking, I'm winning. I've won. I've killed his only begotten son, but not knowing that every drop of that precious innocent blood that went on that floor would save mankind as a whole and yeah. even that even those that stood there saying oh let that blood be on us and on our children they actually although they they have taken that iniquity upon themselves they've also took on the precious blood of our messiah yeah. and have it's covered themselves and their children in it so what it, what they thought was evil and what even was meant for their evil really can be so That's much true. good and Thank even you. even in the worst of things even the shedding of innocent blood, there can be a good outcome. There can be good in in what was meant for wickedness can be perfect good. And I think that's that's what even though we're dealing with horrible things, something that wasn't meant to go well can go well. Something that was meant for evil can beautiful things can come out of it. And we know that more than anything here, don't we? That we when sure something do. bad happens, something beautiful can come out of it for those who love Yah. And, you know, it's just absolutely wonderful that even in the shedding of that blood, good can come. Had had Pharaoh not shed the blood of those babies, would, would Yashterel have ever cried out? 
Right. Right. Yeah. It's not a fact. <laughs> it's amazing to me how Yah works a thread through us in what he wants to say, because, you know, one of the parts of my presentation, I'm going to go deep into that word of crying out. <laughs> you know, it's so funny how it all, he just weaves what he wants to do and say, it always amazes me because we don't collaborate. <laughs> no, we don't have time. <laughs> no. Um, I know. I also think it's interesting that you don't necessarily have to make blood go on the floor to steal from somebody. But, you know, their life force, you can take that in so many ways. It's not. The, our innocent children is the ones I feel for the most in this. Yeah. yeah. People take so much from children that they just shouldn't take. Yeah. They're so, innocent. Yeah. Stealing of their innocence. Oh, they're, they're the most vulnerable in our society. And that's, I mean, when we see how things have played out in our society worldwide lately, it's the vulnerable that have been gone after the hardest. Yeah. Because they're easy targets. Those wicked put in evil imaginations, those ones weaving those spiders' webs. Although there's plenty people like ourselves that do those things. There is a big network of people that do that that is all they do and they have they think that we are lesser than them and it is so painful yeah. to see that yeah that's where i go to those who sign cry for the abominations because it gives me strength to deal yeah. with those wicked ones so Absolutely. again just before we move on to shell we'll say hi to euphrasia and asia joining us and yes. sue and everybody, thank you all, guys, for being here. It's lovely to see you here today. And those that are listening and haven't commented, because I do know we've got more listening than commenting. So lovely to see you all. Thank you for being here. So we've looked at the mind that plots. We've looked at the innocent blood that cries out. And now we're going to go even darker <laughs> yes. and deeper as we head over to what Shell has for us today. So off you go, lovely lady. Alrighty. Okay. So my topic is a ruach of murder and hatred. And the questions that I needed to ask myself is how does it manifest? And more importantly, how do we combat it? So, I mean, I think I need a round of applause, Kat, because for the very first time on Heart of Tribe Ministries, Shell is using a PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All righty. And not using it well because there we go. <laughs> All right. So I wanted to share with you guys. I, I read an interesting book lately. It was called The Narcissist Next Door. Under this understanding the monster in your family, in your office, in your bed, and in your world. <laughs> it was quite an interesting book. So he has this chapter called the chest thumping of the tribe. What is the process basically of dehumanization? And I had to pick this picture because I spent some time as a um, after school like counselor at this big camp. You know, I had just I had I'd just been 
um, was work trying to work through the mold and the sears and everything. And I needed to work like in an outside environment because I couldn't be in buildings. So I thought, well, this is the perfect thing for me. I can be with the children. I can, you know, teach them art projects. I can hike through the woods with them, do whatever. So I got to work with these children for a year and I would observe things. And what I would observe was watching like these two kids on a bus right and they were best buddies they'd been best buddies all day we'd get to the camp you know their best buddies as they're putting their stuff away and running out to the sandbox but then it's time to divide into games and teams well no longer were they best buddies because you were either on the red team or you were on the blue team and if you were on the red team you hated the blue team and if you were on the blue team you hated the red team and i thought wow boy does that happen quickly <laughs> right? So just a part of human nature. So I thought, how does dehumanization happen in a group of people who formerly considered each other's each other friends, neighbors, brothers, and sisters? How does this happen in the family of Yasharel? This is my big question, right? So I took it to the base of a war zone. In a war zone, people on the other side are no longer people, right? The rabbis of Mashiach's day riled up the people by calling him a blasphemer and any other thing they could think of. <laughs> All right. So it starts within the leadership. This is how I see it. And I'm really trying to zero in. I know that the world is full of wickedness. I know that that's being plotted. What I want to talk about is what's going on in Yah's family, right? What's the what's happening? What's tearing people away? What's going to get people off the path and and where they have departed from the path? And hopefully, this will speak to some to realize what's going on, and they can get back on the path because that's really the important thing. We're in a season of repentance and restoration if you will allow that process to happen, which it happens through repentance, right? So I see it starting with the leadership. Whatever leadership's in charge, some kind of outrage is expressed. Rumors begin to be spread, right? All with the intention of manipulating the thought processes of the others that they want on their team, on their side. So the goal is let's turn the other side that, that we consider now the adversary, even though we're still part of the same family, right? Let's turn them into something disgusting. Yet leaders, the leaders have to provoke a disgust type of reaction. So as I was reading this book, according to one of the quoted experts in the book, referred to as DeVito, and I'm not quite sure who that is, but to sway a group three stages must be planned and brought to the group. Think process. It's a group think process, right? To have that group believe that hatred to the point of wanting to slaughter is the right conclusion. And this is really what you were talking about, Kat. You know, there's a, there's a, this, it's part of this dehumanization process, right? So you've got to dehumanize them. You've got to provoke something that makes them feel disgusting, Hence my picture of this lovely pumpkin that has been infested by bugs, right? It's got to be like, oh, that's disgusting, right? They're awful people, right? There's got to be 
invoked either an extreme fear of that other group of people or an extreme anger. Okay, so turn the other guys into something willfully evil and you're off to the xenophobic races. Now, I have some more things that I want to share with you from my notes from this book. So I'm going to remove this for a moment and just kind of read to you some of my notes because I couldn't get them all on the PowerPoint. But then I do have stuff on the PowerPoint that I want to share. So I'll add that back in. So on this process of turning the other guys into something willfully evil and you're off to the xenophobic races, there was a psychologist... Robert Steenberg sees a, a different three-step process to turn um, to turn animus into homicidal loathing, like to go from, well, I really don't like them, to I just, they need to be removed from off the face of the earth, right? I mean, that's that thing. One, you've got to get a negation of intimacy, a dehumanization of the target group which disqualifies them from ordinary empathy and decency. No longer do you have to treat them with common courtesy or respect because they're not worthy of that, right? It, it's a license to just slaughter them with your words and with rudeness, right? There's a passion involved in it. This is a, the, ne the next aspect. There's an intensity of emotion that adds rage to the mix. Passion, when you think about passion and the, and the sense of hatred, it's a hot hatred. You know, it's become something that is raging like this fire within. There's got to be commitment. A coolly reasoned intellectualized choice to commit a murderous act right? There's a cold, cold hatred that's taking place within the heart, turning that heart into stone. Cold hate is a state of mind that is not easily achieved. And as soon as I read that in the book, my thoughts went to exactly what uh, Kat was talking about with Cain and Abel. That was exactly, but I decided not to put those scriptures in my presentation, which I think is hysterical, right? So, with this, if you've got this cold hate, what's involved in that? You've got arrogance. You've got self-regard, right? You've got a demonization of others, right? I've lowered those others in my mind. They're not in the same place that I am. I'm here. They're there. You know, I've put them down. Okay. There has to be a lack of of empathy. They don't deserve to even be common. They don't deserve common courtesy. I don't care what their problems are. I'm not looking at maybe what their situation is or, or how hard it may be in their life. None of that matters. Only I matter, right? There's got to be a total lack of remorse right? To where they, they don't even feel bad about the fact that they're being so rude, <laughs> right? Um, there's got to be a willingness to commit any act to achieve your personal ends. So this is what, when, when you see a group of people being 
being manipulated in this way by the leadership that they're under. This is what's happening. This is what they're trying to stir up within their followers. Okay. Sorry, I have to keep going on with my notes. So what they're trying to achieve is what is described in this book as a collective narcissism, right? It's got to be that group think, okay? How do people do it? You know, it's like if you look at a sports team, oh, we're number one. We're number one. I've got on their colors. That's my team. You know, there's all all of that goes with it. It's 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 a merchandising. You're building allegiance. You're you're helping them gain an identity like that, that tribal, that affiliated identity. I'm part of this group you know, is, is basically what it is. It's like branding, you know, that's, that's what it looks like. Okay. So it, it can have flags, bands, costumes, songs, bloodshed, passion, emotional affiliation, my school, my town, my whatever. There's a my, my, my to all of it. All right. So, you know, recently I had done a reports from under the desk that had a teaching on 144,000, right? And so I watched this play out within another group. I did this teaching and then I, you know, on another group, there's all these comments, you know, um, we don't want to share that, squash that information. It's expressing a different view than the leader we've placed on a pedestal. Now, not three weeks later, this same leader uses and chooses to share the exact same content, the exact same article, right? But the bulldog defender of that particular group comes out and says, you know, she's fomenting this group psychosis. No thoughts except from those originating with our leader are going to be tolerated, right? But when he puts out this video or this teaching, the remark is, wow, this is so interesting. <laughs> and it's, it's interesting because the preferred leader was the one who brought it out, right? This is what collective narcissism begins to manifest like. This is what it, it looks like sometimes, especially in the body of Yahusha. So there's Murder in the name of religion is nothing new. This has been going on. I mean, the Crusades are a great example, right? Everybody is always picking a team and picking a this. And you see it all the time. I'm going to pick a denomination. I'm going to pick this. I'm going to pick that, right? Character assassination is how it plays out today. Um, it's devoted to exposing evil, yet the practice clinically psychotic behavior masking as ministry, right? We do not want this. This is not good. And the sheep follow it in droves because a, because a pretty impressive show has been put on before them. This is exactly how it looks, right? It can be easy to be fooled by this stuff because it seems so scholarly. You know, recently one of my favorite um, tour teachers he put out a video and he was just crucified for it. Um, Zach Bauer had put out uh, this video about 
the code searching. And he really literally showed, you know, you can basically make up anything that you want this to say. And boy, did he get the comments and, and, and I love Zach because he just comes back with humor and says, you know what, this is my opinion. And this is why either like it or don't, but this is I'm, basically he's saying, I'm going to report it. You decide for yourself, but this is what I see. You know, but this is what we see happen over and over again in this Torah community. So there's a concept called Berg, right? And it was uh, coined this way by a psychologist named Robert uh, Caldini. And it means it's an acronym for basking in reflected glory. So this is a really funny concept of how this works, right? There's this in this tribal identity thing. When things are good and things are look successful, then whoever's associated themselves with this goes, we won, right? But when things don't go well, <laughs> they lost, <laughs> They disassociate themselves immediately, right? I mean, and this is what happens and you can see it, you know, with the following that's created. There's definitely a sheep aspect to this, you yeah. know, of a following, right? And then there's another thing. So when they say, we won, they lost, it's Corf or cutting off reflected failure. No, I don't want to be a part of that team. They've lost. <laughs> you know, they're no longer my team. <laughs> so I thought that was really, really interesting. So let me add this back to the stream. The stream. So where I went with this then this morning when I woke up, because those were my notes that I had a month ago when we were going to do this. This is what y'all showed me about all that this morning. So I love this. I, I can't even remember which one of you have already done this, but John 10, 10, the, the thief comes not, but for to steal, to kill and to destroy. But I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. This has been a verse for me to, to me, this verse is discernment. It's like there's not a situation that comes up that I can't, if I stop and I pray and I meditate and I ask for directions and I say, okay, yeah, is this thing coming to steal, kill, or destroy? Or is it coming that it might bring life and life more abundantly, growth, right? Which, what am I dealing with? But sometimes it really takes digging in with prayer because things are fuzzy out there. It's hard to determine sometimes, you know, what's exactly going on. So in Exodus 28, 18, I find this really, really interesting. And it says this, this chapter is all about when Hasatan was cursed, when he fell, right? When it him. This is what this chapter is about. And I don't have time to go through the whole thing, but I wanted to zero in in this part. So this is what Yah was saying to him. It says, you have defiled your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities, by the iniquity of your traffic. Therefore, I will bring forth a fire from the midst of you. It shall devour you. And I will bring you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold you. 
right? We know that one day we're going to look and we're going to say, wow, um, you know, this is who deceived the nations, right? This is the one that, so I wanted to look at this word with this, what it is that the midst, okay? So this word midst, the fire from the midst of you, I believe that Yah put a curse on Hasatan. So the Hebrew has a mem as a prefix, okay? And the Hebrew text has a double cough at the end of the word. The three-letter root, root is in the middle. So midst would be the tevek. It would be the tav, the yod, the cough, right? So, so that's kind of what I'm zeroing in on. So there's something when you're looking at root words called a gradation variant of the three-letter root, right? A gradation variant three-letter root is tav, cough, cough, and it connotes self-deceiving thoughts. Now, to understand what a, a gradation variant means, that it means words that are in the same family that demonstrate gradations of meaning. It's like giving us okay, here's another level for you, is what it's trying to say, okay? So when we're dealing with root words, we can see that when we when we look for these. So the gradation variant is that tov, tov, cough, cough, and it con connotes a an aspect of self-deception. And, and this is what I see. So this curse that was given hit the midst of Hasatan, in the middle of him. What he was cursed with, to me, what this is saying, is he was cursed with self-deception. There's no other way that he could believe that he would win <laughs> this fight against Yah, right? He is a yeah. created being, like we are, you know? So then when I woke up this morning, this is what Yah was showing me. It's Psalm 72, 1. And I just want to read it so we get the context of it, okay? Give the king your judgment, O Elohim, and your righteousness unto the king's son. He shall judge your people with righteousness and your poor with judgment. The mountains shall bring peace to the people and the little hills by righteousness. He shall judge the poor of the people. He shall save the children of the needy and shall break in pieces the oppressor. They shall fear you as long as the sun and moon endure throughout all generations. He shall come down like rain upon the mown grass as showers that water the earth. In his days shall the righteous flourish and the abundance of peace so long as the moon endures. He shall have dominion also from sea to sea and from the river unto the ends of the earth. They that dwell in the wilderness shall bow before him, and his enemies shall lick the dust. The kings of Tarshish and, the, and of the isle shall bring presents. The kings of Sheba and Siva shall offer gifts. Yea, all kings shall fall down before him. All nations shall serve him. For he shall deliver the needy when he cries. The poor also, and him that has no helper. That reminds me exactly what you were talking about, the even the fatherless, right? Mm -hmm. Wow. So he shall spare the poor and needy and shall save the souls of the needy. He shall redeem their soul from deceit and violence and precious 
shall be their blood in his sight. So this word deceit is that word I was just talking about, tabak, right? There's a deception. There's a soul deception. There's a self-deception within it, right? So when he spares us from the enemy, part of our deliverance is from self-deception and violence. Now that word violence is Hamas, okay? It also has a, a mem prefix on it. The Brown Driver Briggs describes this as a violent cruelty and injustice. And it's interesting to me that one of the most violent terrorist organizations that this called Hamas. Yeah, has ever seen is called Hamas. Isn't it interesting? That is. Yeah. Wow. So to finish out Psalm 72, and he shall live and to him shall be given the gold of Sheba. Prayer also shall be manifest, uh, shall be made for him continually and daily shall he be praised. There shall be a handful of grain in the earth upon the top of the mountains. The fruit thereof shall shake like Lebanon and they of the city shall flourish like the grass of the earth. Now, this is a very um, eschatological psalm, uh, right? This is describing the end time and, and it's describing the remnant. When you see that there's a handful of grain in the earth, right? This is describing the, the remnant. There's a handful of wheat left. This is what it's saying. And it's on top of the mountain. Before on the last slide, we saw how they were in the wilderness, right? So this is a progressive time uh, that it, this is describing, right? There shall be a handful of grain in the earth upon the top of the mountains. The fruit thereof shall shake like Lebanon and they of the city shall flourish like the grass of the earth. His name, whose name? Yahweh's. His name shall endure forever. His name shall be continued as long as the sun and men shall be blessed in him. All nations shall call him blessed. Blessed be Yahweh Elohim, the Elohai of Asherel, who only does wondrous things. And blessed be his glorious name forever and let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. The, the prayers of David, the son of Yeshire, ended. Okay. So, next thing that I was led to was Psalm 55. And this one says, cast all your burdens upon Yahweh. Right? This is the heading that was given to this section. It reminded me of one of my favorite verses out of um, the book of Peter. I think it's is it first Peter four or is it, I don't remember, but it says cast all your burdens upon Yahweh because he cares for you, right? Cast them all upon Yahusha because he cares for you. So give ear to my prayer, O Elohim, and hide not yourself from my supplication. I love it when I can see Psalms that dress, that, that specifically address the fight that's going on in the heavenly realm. And I know that I need a perfect prayer and I don't have one in my humanity. So I'm going to share some things that I consider perfect prayers when I am brought up against these circumstances so that I can pray correctly and leave my humanity out of it. My thoughts, my ways, my interpretation of events, right? Instead, I can just speak the word of Yah to Yah and say, now I've handed this over to you, right? 
So give ear to my prayer, O Elohim, and hide not yourself from my supplication. Attend unto me and hear me. I mourn in my complaint and make a noise because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked. This is exactly what Pat was talking about, right? For they cast iniquity upon me and in wrath, they hate me. My heart is sore pained within me and the tears of death are fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me and horror has overwhelmed me. And I said, oh, that I had wings like a dove for then would I fly away and be at rest. Lo, then would I wander far off and remain in the wilderness. Selah. I mean, that's just such a great prayer to express those deep longings of our heart when we are in the midst of unimaginable evil and it's breaking our hearts and we don't even begin to know what to do about it. So here's what I saw with that word hate. I had highlighted the word hate in the psalm because this is what we're dealing with is this spirit of murder and hatred because they hate us, right? The wicked, the, the, the wicked principalities. I'm not dealing with men. I'm dealing, it's wicked principalities that stir up all the trouble, that stir up brothers and sisters to treat each other horribly, right? All right, so hate, here's this word. It is satam, which I found very interesting, right? We've got a mem instead of an n there, right? So satam, we've got a shen, a tav, and a mem. The word picture means, to hate means, is to invite destroying chaos to utterly surround right? Because we're getting back to the midst of the word. That's what happens when we hate. It says to finish Psalm 55, I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. Destroy, O Adonai, and divide their tongues for I have seen violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go about it upon the walls thereof. Mischief also and sorrow are in the midst of it. Wickedness is in the midst thereof. Deceit and guile, depart not from her streets. This word deceit is again, that same word, tavak, self-deception, right? It's right there. I've, I just found that really interesting with this. So the next thing here to finish up the Psalm, it is Psalm 55, 12 through 14. For it was not an enemy that reproached me, then I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me that did magnify himself against me. Then I would have hid myself from him. But it was you, a man, my equal, my guide, and my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked into the house of Elohim and company. So when I looked at this, I thought, boy, this is Mashiach speaking right here, right? Because who was it? They went to the Last Supper. Yahusha washes the feet of his disciples, all 12 of them, including Judas Iscariot. Then they begin to have the supper and Yahusha explains, I am about to be betrayed by one of you. And Peter's like, who is it? Who is it? Who is it? And he said, it's the one who dips with me, but I don't think he got it right then. And so they're taking that Passover meal 
Judas Iscariot dips and takes the bread and the scriptures say at that second, Hasatan entered into him, right? That's exactly when it happened. And, and so he was no longer part of the family. Hasatan entered him, right? I mean, it, it really points out how important it is when it says, do not take this Passover meal unworthily. There's got to be an aspect of taking Passover that you had better have a repentant heart and be prepared because it it must be kind of like sleep. It, it, we must be in a more vulnerable state when we take it. And if your heart is not right, you are in a dangerous, dangerous position, right? And so you can see the, the sorrow of Mashiach being betrayed by someone that was in the family, right? Wow. Okay. Let death seize upon them. And let them go down quick into Sheol, for wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. You can see it. What is our dwelling if we are, I mean, we are the tabernacle, right? This is this, this flesh right now is where our Ruach dwells, right? As for me, I will call upon Elohim and Yahweh shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I will pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. So this word cry is Hama. It's H1993. It's got a hey, a mem, and a hey. I love it. The center of it is chaos. A man saying, I'm just, I'm, I'm pleading with you is on either side right? I'm pleading with you because in the midst of me is chaos, right? That to cry means everything within me is disturbed right now. And all I know to do, Yah, is lift up my hands to you. You know, so much we talk about trauma and growing up in a household of trauma. And, and Laura Lee talks about it on her show. Don't talk, don't, don't think, don't feel right? Be quiet. Sit down. If you, if I, you, you're crying, don't, don't be crying in front of me. I'll give you something to cry about. Like that's the messaging, right? We, we don't want you talking. We don't want you, but Yah says it's okay. Evening and morning at noon, I will pray and I will cry aloud and he shall hear my voice, right? There's in the Brown Driver Briggs, it's described as a murmur, a growl, a roar, crying aloud, mourning, raging, making noise, being clamorous, being moved, troubled, and in an uproar. See, the wonderful thing about Yahweh is Job tells us Yah understands when he needed to use wild words, right? I love that phrase, how Job cried out with wild words because what was taking place was more than any human should have to withstand. You know, I don't even think that we've got, you know, there's a lot of brain studies going on. And I've read this recently in something that I was studying, but that our brains were not created with a capacity for this type of trauma and brokenness and evil. We don't even know how to, how to process it properly. It's, it, it was not intended for us. Yah never wanted that for us, right? He wanted us to fellowship with him in the garden. 
not to have to live through this kind of trauma. But it says really that what Eve did is she looked upon what the enemy was presenting and the fact that the enemy, the fallen watchers were the angels, the angelic realm are also created beings, right? And they had different capacity and ability than mortal beings. We're all still children of Elohim, but she looked upon it and she was jealous for what he had and what he had was wickedness. A jealousy to understand wickedness on that level caused her to reach out and take that apple or, or fruit or whatever it was. I don't think it was an apple, whatever it was, however it was presented, right? That enticed her to want to reach for that. You know, I, I want that. There was a jealousy for what she saw. You know, right now I'm seeing a lot of things in the news with Michael Flynn. He's calling for an uprising of Christian nationalism in this country, because I think there's a huge element within the believers of this nation that, that think that somehow they're going to come together and in the power of unity and a raw, raw, raw strength, they're going to be able to outdo the judgment that is due to this nation. It's deception. It's not what Yah is calling us to at this time on the earth. I'm sorry. I'm going to call it what I see it. It's deception. He has delivered my soul in peace. I'm still in Psalm 55 for those listening in a podcast. I'm now reading Psalm 55, 18 through 21. He has delivered my soul in peace from the battle that was against me. For there were many with me. El shall hear and afflict them. Even he that abides of old, say law. Who is it that abides of old? It is the race that was created before the humans were, right? The angelic realm, okay? Because they have no changes, therefore they fear not Elohim. He has put forth his hands against such as be at peace with him. He has broken his covenant. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart, in his leb. Exactly what you were talking about, Lee. His words were softer than oil, oil yet they, were they drawn swords. This is the deception. This is how it looks. Okay. Psalm 55, 22 and 23. Cast your burden upon Yahweh and he shall sustain you. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved, but you, O Elohim, shall bring them down into the pit of destruction. Bloody and deceitful men shall not live out half their days, but I will trust in you. This was a, a picture during a, a hard time in my life when we were living at the campground and I painted this on a worship tablet and um, I thought it just really went with this. Yahushua cares for us. We can cast our burdens upon him. He really is the good shepherd that will go after the one that wandered away, right? He cares about each and every one of us. And as long as you're breathing, repentance is available to you. I believe it with all my heart. I don't believe that there's someone, you know, that that that's too, too far gone, right? Until the breath is gone 
because our breath is given from Yahusha, right? And he can deliver us from all things. We, but we have to be humble enough to come to him in repentance. So Psalm 82.1, I just wanted to share this because I believe that this gives us a view of that heavenly realm and what Yah has to say to those heavenly watchers that were, they were assigned always, you know, there, there are several classes of angels and, and everything as, you know, different assignments, right? But there was a class that was assigned to be protection for humans, right? But they fell. A lot of them fell right? Not, not that there's not still plenty that are protecting us, but there's a war raging. You know, I really look it up now. And when I try to look at it and try to, to think of this in my mind, there are the angels that are surrounding the throne. They are there strictly to worship, right? They are worshiping night and day. They are literally gazing upon the beauty of holiness that is Yahuwah. And they are shouting for eons, holy, kadosh, kadosh, kadosh. They're shouting it so loud that the very framework of heaven shakes with their shout. They are not doing this out of rote. They are doing, they are responding to what they are looking upon, right? They're gazing upon the creator of all and they're responding and they're not bored and they're not tired of it. They're seeing something that is so far beyond my imagination and their shouts are this spontaneous burst of kadosh, right? In response to what they see. There's to me probably how I have reasoned it out in my mind. Maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know for sure. I'm going to report it. Everybody can decide. So I believe that that's a third. And then I believe that a third rebelled, right? And so if you've got one third in worship, one third rebelled and one third faithful, no wonder the war is raging. No wonder the war is raging, right? We know who wins, but there's a war raging. So I just wanted to, to read this, uh, this Psalm that I believe was specifically deals with the angelic realm. It says, Elohim, Yahweh, our Elohim stands in the assembly of the mighty because these angelic beings are mighty, right? It, it's, it's, um, I believe this word is the the gibor or the giborim, right? That's the mighty. <laughs> it's not mortals. <laughs> All right. Elohim stands in the assembly of the mighty. He judges among the Elohim, little e, right? How long will you judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. He's saying, I charged you to defend the poor and the fatherless, to do justice to the afflicted and the needy, to deliver the poor and the needy, to rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. Why wouldn't they understand self-deception? Fire in the midst of them, a curse, right? 
They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course, right? There is disturbance everywhere because of this. I have said, you are Elohim, little e. And all of you are children of El Elyon. He's saying, I created all of you. He calls them sons of God, Beneha Elohim, right? And then in the Brit Hadashah, we are told that he gives us power to become Beneha Elohim. He really doesn't describe humans that way when we're looking in the Tanakh. But when we get over to the Brit Hadashah, He gives us power to become B'neha Elohim. It's something, a promise held in reserve as we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. It's what awaits us, right? And it's a great promise, okay? But ye shall die like men. he He is addressing those who fell, okay? But ye shall die like men and fall like one of the princes, Arise, O Elohim, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all nations, right? When we know Yahusha shall inherit all nations. So this led me to Psalm 93, where it says, Yahweh reigns. This to me is more prayers. To me, this Psalm 93 sets up the prayer of power in Psalm 94. Yahweh reigns. This like sets my soul in the right place, right? It right sizes my soul so that I can fully engage with the prayer that I find in Psalm 94. This is how I process it. Yahweh reigns. He's clothed with majesty. Yahweh is clothed with strength, wherewith he has girded himself. The world also is established that it cannot be moved. Your throne, Yahweh, is established of old. You are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Yahweh. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their waves. Yahweh on high is mightier than the noise of many waters, yea, than the mighty waves of the sea. Your testimonies are very sure. Holiness becomes your house, O Yahweh, forever. Psalm 94, starting in verse 1. O Yahweh El, to whom vengeance belongs, doesn't belong to me. I'm so tempted so many times, right? And sometimes I fall. And then it really kind of removes Yah's ability to act on my behalf. When I act out of turn, and I have to remember this, right? As a human, I have to right-size myself and remember that vengeance belongs to Elohim. O Yahweh El, to whom vengeance belongs. O Elohim, to whom vengeance belongs. Show yourself. Lift up yourself, judge of the earth. Render a reward to the proud. Yahweh, how long shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked triumph? How long shall they utter and speak hard things and all the workers of iniquity boast themselves? They break in pieces your people, O Yahweh. They afflict your heritage. They slay the widow and the stranger and they murder the fatherless. Yet they say, Yah shall not see, neither shall the Elohai of Yaakov regard it. 
Understand, ye brutish among the people, and ye fools, when will ye be wise? He that planted the ear, shall he not hear? He that formed the eye, shall he not see? He that chastises the heathen, shall he not correct? He that teaches man knowledge, shall he not know? Yahweh knows the thoughts of man, that they are vanity. Blessed is the man whom you chasten, O Yah, and teach him out of your Torah, that you may give him rest from the days of adversity until the pit be dug for the wicked. For Yahweh will not cast off his people, neither will he forsake his inheritance, but judgment shall return unto righteousness and all the Yashari in heart shall follow it. Who will rise up for me against the evildoers? Who will stand up for me against the wickers of iniquity? Unless Yahweh had been my help, my soul had almost dwelt in silence. When I said my foot slips, your mercy, O Yahweh, held me up. In the multitude of my thoughts within me, your comforts delight my soul. Shall the throne of iniquity have fellowship with you, which frames mischief by a law? They gather themselves together against the soul of the righteous and condemn the innocent blood. But Yahweh is my defense and my Elohim is the rock of my refuge. And he shall bring upon them their own iniquity and shall cut them off in their own wickedness. Yea, Yahweh Elohim shall cut them off. And that was what y'all gave me for today. Wow. That was amazing. And was. so much there. <laughs> it's um, it showing again, isn't it, that murder and spilling of innocent blood and is not necessarily the actual act of killing somebody. It's you can do that by your thoughts that murder comes from hatred and yeah. you can murder someone by ruining who they are. Yeah. You know, you know, um, Nita talks a lot about frequencies and stuff. It makes you wonder like the frequencies that are put off when we dwell on what the black dog thoughts, right? <laughs> What yeah. we were talking about, that evil seed, when we when it gets planted and then we start dwelling on that and the frequencies that are going out from our being from yeah. that. Yeah. I think you're on to something there because I definitely, uh, you can feel it. It's palpable mm -hmm. when someone doesn't like you. And, and I used to think that was just something that was like an in-person thing, but it's not. Like you can actually feel their frequency even mm -hmm. through a text message or through yeah. uh, on screen in an email. Uh, you get the intent and you feel uh, their force, you know? Yeah. 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 No, it's really interesting. I will tell you, I actually... Might not have looked like it, but my internet shut down twice while you were speaking then, Shah. I could see that happening to you, Kat. <laughs> Christ, it wasn't my internet. It was actually my, you know, um, uh, my internet page that stopped responding. My internet was fine, but it just kept cutting me off. So I don't know what happened there. I've never seen yeah. it do that before. <laughs> 
It's always yeah. something trying to shut us down, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, technology doesn't seem to be my friend today. <laughs> mm, any of us, I don't think. But thank goodness when it does work. Yeah, but that was yeah. that was so good, Shell. Uh, especially when you pointed out how you were watching the children, um, and they're when they're together in their own space, you know, their best buds. But the minute they're out in society. You know, and we've seen a lot of that over the last three years, um, yeah. people being separated by yeah. choices. Um, and uh, another thing, um, you're opening, I remember studying, and I've spent a lot of time studying about the Holocaust and how long it took uh, for Hitler to dehumanize them. Right. And it took about three years. Uh, yeah for propaganda and, and things to be said and a very slow, it was a slow roll into yeah. that, that people in the communities would even get in line with it, you know? Yeah. And we saw that over the last three years, uh, there were, I had to quit watching late night TV because <laughs> that was the thing to do was to roast the people that um, wouldn't it, curtail yeah. to the current solution that was being right. pressed. But it was the same deal, right? It was a dehumanization of those people that they weren't worthy. If they showed up in an emergency room with a heart attack, they weren't worthy to be saved. Right. That's literally what one said, that they should just yeah. be left to die, you know, and, and, and how quickly it is. That's yeah. three years isn't a long time. <laughs> it's not. It's not. And, and, and the thing is, I really do believe that, you know, it, according to scripture, this is on a forward roll, you know, and, and, and it's, and, you know, it's, it's perpetrated and targeted at the believers, right? Because right. they hate him. They hate us. That's exactly yeah. what he told us before he left. He said, you know, they were, they're going to persecute me because or persecute you because they persecuted me. You yeah. know, you can expect the same thing and we don't want to fool ourselves out of that. <laughs> you are not headed yeah. to some big, that's why I put in there about this thing with this Christian nationalism and everything's going to turn around and we're going to make America great again. And everything's going to just be wonderful. If we can just get the right person in it, we are, so far beyond that time yeah. and that is such a yeah. deception and it's going to lead people astray and they're going to what happens when leaders lead people astray and they've believed in that leader the problem is they become bitter at yah i mean yeah. i've seen a really huge example of this lately we've seen it uh you know on a prominent online ministry it's come out and these two guys that had been together and the oh, one yeah. guy who was really the head of it, you know, really behaved abominably. And the guy who, you know, was with him, um, I know that his background had been um, in war, in a war zone. So I'm certain yeah. that he had some form of PTSD. And he watched this leader act unrighteously. And what he did, it didn't just turn him off from the leader. He equated that leader's actions projected it onto Yah and became bitter, embittered with Yah and has left the faith entirely. That is very sad. That is very sad. Yeah. But this is what happens when leaders behave abominably. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. We see that a lot with the priests, don't we? You know, yeah. they will hurt the innocent. Yeah. 
Mm. Yeah. The innocent will blame that on Yah because those people portray themselves to be of Yah and it looks like, well, why would I want to believe in someone who, who allows that? It's very, very yeah. sad. This world we live in is very sad and, you know, what you talk, while you were talking, I just kept getting herd mentality. It's that herd mentality will go along with, I'll go along with whatever the popular thing is and I'll yeah. keep going that way, you know. Yeah. You see it Because you time. need to fit in. Yeah. yeah. I support the current agenda. So you will, yeah. you know, they all want to belong, don't they? Their yeah. picture will change quickly, you know, for whatever the latest thing is that the leader the leaders are telling us to follow and i think you know in our society that we have a really we have very corrupt leaders in society that are leading people to not even want to be people anymore as yeah. you were saying that dehumanized yeah. we're not people we're we're the ones that are made you know there's too many of us so there's not going to be enough food there's not going to be enough this and that and that's not even true that's just not true Yah right. provided this world and he knows exactly yeah. how many of us can fit in it for there to be enough for all. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I've heard Lee kind of say this and she'll have to say it right. But what I've got when I've heard her say this before and what I picture is there is because of the brokenness of the society we live in, we have a world full of orphans that they were raised by two parents. But yeah. there, it's a word full of orphans because people are so broken and the yeah. society's so broken. You know, you right. put it better than I do, Lee. But you know, that was kind of the gist I was getting. I was born an, an orphan of two parents. <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a thing. It's a, a possibility, and it's not only that. I mean, it's rampant. It, we see uh, the nuclear family being shredded. That you actually aren't a good family anymore if you're a nuclear family if you're a mom and yeah. a dad and kids you know right um we're told that anything that good that is that we see as good and kodesh or holy um is against their agenda and it's not cool and it makes us bad people for wanting to uphold the laws and commands of yahweh and, and it is that persecution. Yeah. yeah. It is the, the persecution. Yeah. 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 Evil for good, good for evil. Everything's been turned upside down. But doesn't that just show us the hour we're living in? It really does. Rejoice. Does. Rejoice. It does. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Lift yeah. up our heads because our salvation is coming. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's just hard to watch, isn't it? Yeah, I it like is. And it's too. it's hard to think about not saving, you know, not being able to reach people, you know. Yeah. I'm thinking yeah. I'm that one lamb out of a hundred keeps me humble. Yes. Ren. Ren. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's how it is for us here is we're not on this avenue, we're not in this ministry to have a thousand, to have 9,000 clicks or 10,000 views. We're not concerned with that. What we're concerned about is the one, the one that yeah. he has sent us to talk to today. And yeah. I know that every time any one of us are on, I know any time we're bringing a presentation, any, any one of us, that it's 
that we're there specifically for that person, right? We're there specifically for whom Yah has sent that day. You know, yeah, I have yeah. been that person before that was searching and I found and it led me in a very long, crazy, twisty, turning way right here to where I'm at now. And it yeah. all had to happen that way for me to be here uh, to meet the people or meet the lost sheep or meet the one that he's picked for that day. And every day before I go on and I know y'all do the same thing, I pray about that one. I do. I pray because I know the angels are rejoicing in heaven for that one that connects with us, that it changes their life because they find their hope and their strength in Yahusha. And they have found it by simply having a divine appointment with us. Yeah. And that is what brings me the most joy. Not 5,000 clicks. We're not here for that. <laughs> And those that are worried about what numbers they're getting or whatever, that's fine. We're, that's we're right. here for the one. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. We we really don't care. We're not we're not monetizing this channel. <laughs> we're not worried about that. That's not what our goal is. We're no. doing this because we feel commissioned by Yah to do this at this time on the earth. Yes. Yes. And that's I am it. telling you. I am here because he told me to be. No other reason. It is not easy. As I've said, another thing on mine and Lee's show a couple of weeks ago, it is not easy being on this side of the camera. No. And there is so, so much more to being here than just coming here and talking to everybody. Yeah. We were talking about that. Yeah. For really, for every hour, I've kind of tried to equal it out. I mean, it doesn't always equal this way, but but pretty regularly for every hour that we're on camera, it, it's usually involves at least 10 hours of preparation. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. for every hour that we're on. And then yeah. there's so much more as well that goes on. That goes on in the background. Yeah. The criticisms, you know. <laughs> it's not easy being here. Um I love it that my cousin's still here with me. I just just have to say, you know, when I think about that little um sheep you know i was not a believer i i was just as lost as i could be when my child died and my cousin debbie who was a fairly new on fire believer it wasn't that we weren't raised in a family that honored yah but um that it just hadn't hit my heart fully well it had hit her heart fully and um she came to me in the time when I was at my lowest and, and, and I, my life was such a mess. I mean, it was a mess and it was bad. And, and I was so sick because I'd had this horrible wound that wouldn't heal from the cesarean. And I'd lost my child and my dad, my cousin, she just came over and she just talked to me all about her new faith while she cleaned my house and cooked and, and had brought me a card that um, I still have. <laughs> that says that said cast all your burdens on 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 Jesus because he cares for you you know and and that meant so much to me because it was delivered not just as a message that i needed to get it right but it was delivered with so much love and with so uh, with acts of service to me and it it made me become open minded to accepting 
yaw into my life. It still took me a while, but it made me open-minded to that. And so I will never forget that. And I will always treasure that card. <laughs> it is forever. And every time I see that with the shepherd and the sheep, I think of that. And I think about what my cousin did for me in my, in, in the time that it needed the most. It was, that's what was so impactful. Yeah. Praise the father for that. Yeah. That's, we've, I think we've all had our messy parts of our life. I, I had a good long run of it myself and <laughs> praise y'all for those messengers that angel city sends us in, in normal clothing that bring us back into the fold, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can see my internet doesn't want to play nice with I me. Saw it that. doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah. So it's been a good show. Yeah. It has been a wonderful show. So before wonderful. I disappear again, I think it's time we disappear. Yeah. <laughs> we do pray that this show has blessed you all today and equipped you with mm. knowledge and tools to be conquerors and overcomers of these things in your own lives and in the lives of others so we guess that you're going to tune in again tomorrow with us here on heart of the tribes when the lovely james carruthers will bring us mercy put forth at 9 30 a.m est we shall have remnant remedy with the lovely nietzsche at 3 p.m and saved by grace as i'm sure will be a more wonderful time of robert's story at Absolutely. 7 p.m I always look forward to that. I really, really do. Yeah, yeah. We've got a full day. Yeah, full lovely day. full day again. It's absolutely wonderful. There's something for everybody. Not everything's for everybody, but there is something for everybody. Always. Absolutely. Here at Heart of the Tribes. And as always, we ask that Yah will bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, and be gracious unto you. Lift his countenance upon you all and bring you his shalom. In the name of you, who should we pray these things? And we'll see you all next time. Shalom, everybody. Shalom. Shalom. Day and night and night and day, the living creatures give their praise.